Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. The Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at 12 noon. Uh, And we are here to promote and to defend public education. And we're very specific about what public education is and what it is not. It is not private education in any way. It is public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it is publicly accessible to all children and their parents and their grandparents and teachers who wish to be employed there and even cleaners and principals who wish to be employed there also. But the schools themselves are part of a much broader framework of public education and we should have people who are committed in word and deed to public education at the central administration. Our public schools should be owned and controlled by the public through their elected representatives and the Minister of Education and they are the only ones that are publicly accountable with the result that they are the only ones that should be publicly funded because the private schools are not publicly accountable. Although in these days of privatisation of public education, let's say that our private schools in Australia are less publicly accountable than our public schools at the moment. And our politicians should be responsible for the provision of a public education for every child in this country. Now, we know that this happens in other countries like Finland and Germany and the Scandinavian countries. It's even happening to a greater or lesser extent in Chile. But it's not happening in Australia because a greater and greater number of our children are not in public schools but are in private institutions, private religious institutions, religious institutions of indeed a particular religion and a church. Institution. But this week we had news that there has been an undermining of free public education. We're used to our public schools being free, secular, and universal, available to all. We have a website, and there is a press release gone up last Thursday, press release 623. Fees in public schools undermine free public education. And this is it. Principals of underfunded public schools in Victoria are now desperate enough to undermine the very concept of a free public education. As governments press forward with the privatisation of public education, isolated principals imitate their more fortunate private school counterparts and charge fees for what should be essential. The, the Age, with the assistance of Kate Hall, who is the president of a group known as Our Children, Our Schools in, in Victoria, and we'll talk about those people in a moment. She has revealed that parents were asked to pay $270 to enrol their children at a public high school in Melbourne. The Age also reported that another school is charging for sex education classes. Well, some parents would wonder whether there should be sex education classes at school since I would have thought that was a parent's responsibility. But such fees are inexcusable, they're unethical and they're illegal in public schools. 
It's not known whether other schools charge fees for enrolling students. This is just actually having them on a list for enrolling, a little bit like MLC and Scots mm. College. But Kate Hall, the president of Our Children, Our Schools, told the ABC uh, that it was not uh, the only school asking for down payments on enrolments. There are also widespread concerns about fees and levies in public schools. Now, the Auditor-General of Victoria, or should I say the previous Auditor-General, because he has since resigned, earlier this year found significant non-compliance with legislative requirements for free education in Victoria, with parents being charged for items that should be free. And the Auditor-General was also questioning private school accountability procedures. But since then, he's gone. Public school parents are being taxed three ways for the education of their children. They pay taxes for, first of all, public schools which are obliged to enrol their children and are allegedly free, secular and universal. Secondly, they pay ever-increasing taxes for grants of state aid to private religious schools which they either do not or cannot use. And thirdly... They're paying taxes in the form of increasing fees and imposts charged by underfunded public school principals who are desperate for funds for essentials and are left isolated by a depleted education department that is dominated by private school sympathisers. Australian public school parents should say, wrong way, go back to the days before state aid was given to private schools and they should follow countries like Germany, Finland, Norway, Sweden and even Chile. Australian parents and taxpayers are entitled to, indeed they are owed, forget Mr Hockey who has also gone by the way, a genuinely free, secular and universal public school system. So that's our press release. Now, I promised you that I would tell you a little bit more about the uh, people from the our schools, our children, our schools. This is an alliance, and it's currently comprised of the following groups, and this is a very interesting list indeed. There is the Bow Morris School Community Group. There's a new school for Bannockburn District. There's a high school for Coburg Group, HSC, and there's the Doreen and Mernda Secondary School Alliance. There's the Friends of Elwood College. There's the Friends of Kyneton Education, Folk. There's the Nunawading Primary School Site Preservation Group, Incorporated. There's the Oakley Ward Lower Secondary School. There's the High School for Preston Group. There's the Point Cook Action Group. There's the Public Education Group. There's the Reopen Our Schools, Banyul City Group. There's the Richmond High School Choices Group. There's the Secondary Education for Seddon, Kingsville and Yarraville, Sky High. There's the Restore Strathmore Heights School Zones. And there's the two schools now, Port Phillip and Southbank. There's the Docklands Community Forum. There's the Fisherman's Bend Network. There's the Northern Mallee School Council Presidents Group. And there's the Keysborough South Action Group. What an interesting list. Now, they have a website, and you can go to their website to find out a bit more about them. It's www.ourschoolchildrenourschools.com. Now, Jean, I think that's a very interesting list. So do I. I think that's fascinating because there's a real interesting mix of groups involved in this process. There seem to be some genuine grassroots um, parents' organisations, some of which are what we would classify as low SES, um, people who just want to have a state school to send their kid to because they're in a position where it's not what what they're entitled to. I agree with what you say. It's what they're owed. You pay your taxes and you are owed the provision of a free, universal and secular education program. But there are groups in there involved in expansion suburbs um, 
that you wouldn't necessarily classify as low SES. Certainly not. These are quite aspirational postcodes. And um, this is a very interesting new sort of feature of the debate about public education, I think. Now, some of those aspirational postcodes want a good state school because they value education highly from a family background, probably very well-educated parents, and they don't want to be in a position where they have to send their child to a private school because they're the only options where they live. Well, they may not have that option so it's because a, they haven't got the funds. They've got huge uh, mortgages in some of these areas, Robert. Oh, no, absolutely. But I'm saying it's a very broad mix in, in terms mm. of Australian society. This is not just a bunch of ratbag Housing Commission parents wanting their kids to go to a, a state school because they haven't got one. This is far bigger. Um, oh. This is far broader. Mm. And, in fact, it's not just aspirational uh, middle-class people in Australia wanting to have a state school as an option because it makes financial sense. Mm which is another group. It's, I, I just find that list fascinating and I think it's of its time and I think it means this, it implies that the whole debate about defending government schools is now changing because there's a very broad range of people that quite frankly uh, would agree with what we say here. Um, and this is something that's, because we've been on the edges for a while, I think we're now coming into the mainstream or the mainstream's coming to us, Jane. What uh, surprised me about that list is just how many different groups there are asking for schools, state schools. Mm. Like, a lot of people probably wouldn't realise just how many groups there are begging mm. for state schools in their yeah. area. And the fact that they, they have to do this because yeah. the whole thing's been deregulated. That Even the though only they've already paid you, for it. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if, if you have a new growth suburb, people now have to beg for a school to be put there where, as a matter of planning, it in the past would have been a matter of course. And they've already put the, um, infra- the roads there but they haven't done any public infrastructure. Oh, arguably, they put the roads. Well, well that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, they yeah, no, 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 you're right. No public you're right, infrastructure. Yeah, well, look what's right. happened down at Fisherman's Bend, thanks to Mr Guy, that was just open slather, and now the government has to buy land back at top, top, top prices to have any, any community facilities at all. all. Wow, that's crazy. Crazy business. It's all about the money, not not the people. It's interesting, isn't it? Well, this is back to the 18th century, of course. And remember, in the 18th century, there were revolutions. I think, Jane, you're spot on. Because the public education system grew out of something. And what it grew out of is what we seem to be heading towards. Because, I mean, Jane, you can probably deal, deal with this because you know much more about it than I do. But the public education system in Australia and around the world grew out of the corrupt provision of private education that just did not serve the needs of the people. And at a certain point, and I think the 18th century, Jane, you can correct me if you like, is when the people went, oh, hey, hang on. <laughs> hang no, it's on. worse than that. They didn't, um, they didn't fulfil the expectations of the nation, of the state. Um, you know, this gets you into, I suppose, uh, well, what is the state? What is the nation? But... Uh, they uh, private schools didn't fulfil either the political or the economic requirements of the burgeoning nation state of the of the nineteenth century. I, I see it as a um, almost a Kondratiev curve, yeah. and I think that the curve is now rising in favour of public education. Australia is falling so far behind the rest of the Western world that it's not made the mistakes that we have made. Uh, Britain has made the mistakes. Yeah. America is making mistakes at the moment and going down. It's an empire that's uh, thrashing its tail like a, like a dragon that's, uh, that's in trouble. Um, and uh, uh, Australia just seems to be uh, wedded to this false ideology of privatisation oh, at I... any cost. And it's just, it's just not going to work for a very simple reason that the parents and the grandparents of the children of the next generation know that there was something and is something. Even now, there is something so much better, and it's public education, mm. which we pay for, which we are entitled mm. to, which are owed to us by these extraordinary people who are sitting in Canberra telling us, how dare they, that the age of entitlement is over. 
The age of enlightenment is not yet over and if we pay taxes, and we do, and the working people of Australia pay extraordinary amounts of income tax and other taxes, if we pay taxes and we are carrying the burden of the payments of this nation, then we are entitled to a first-rate public education for our children and our grandchildren. I think it's fascinating, Gina. I absolutely agree. I so mean, happy you know, to see Mr Hockey off. <laughs> a lot of people are. It's being very vicious. And normally um, when, when, when a senior minister resigns, there's a few accolades, but I'll tell you what, everyone's getting stuck into him. Excellent. No, I mean, what, what's often described, and here at the Dogs we try to fight against this, the whole education debate and the funding debate in Australia takes place in a bubble. It's a tiny little bubble around Australia and people talk about political verities and, you know, the truths about what can and can't happen. But in Australia, it's in a bubble outside that bubble and we often report on this in the dogs. It's a different world out there. Mm. Oh, you can't take money away from private schools. It's political suicide. It's not within the Overton window. The people of Australia won't wear it. This is just not true. Um, This is not true in the rest of the world. These ideas, these big ideas are played out in the political sphere and what's going on in Australia is almost unique. It's it's a complete outlier. The nature of the way a nation state like Australia deals with the human issues of the education of the population take place in this tiny little bubble. And... You know, people talk about, you know, the, 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 the various momentums of change and the dogs we've been fighting for decades on this. But all it really takes is one little prick of that bubble, one little tiny prick of that bubble, and the people of Australia will go, oh, hang on, this is not fair. And I think it's, I think it's a fascinating contradiction that the Australian education system is one of the least fair. Now, this is by any objective measure, one of the least fair education systems in the Western world. I mean, yes, there are places where education system is less fair, but they tend to be countries that work under functional dictatorships. <laughs> but in the Western world, we have a very unfair education system. And I think it's a fascinating study because in Australia in particular, historically, the notion of fair is something that politicians pay a great deal of attention to. Well, if Mr Shorten... Uh He's getting pretty short on political um, <coughs> political yeah. capital. Um, I'm looking here at he's a He's short on electability, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, there's a, uh, a picture of him here um, saying Malcolm Turnbull has a lot of money and then down below and I have zero political capital. Um, if he wants to get a bit of this capital back then he won't be making statements mm. about uh, penalty rates yeah. and private school fees. Um, he will be looking at where the votes are going to be and they're going to be with public school parents who expect, at least expect, somebody to start talking mm. about the Gonski money mm. and uh, money coming back into public education out of the private schools uh, in the next few years. Yeah. I think what Shorten and various politicians around Australia don't, don't necessarily realise is that, you know, I can't possibly uh, get rid of all the private schools, says a politician. I have to give all the major state schools. They say, I can't do that. It takes a sledgehammer to sort of change the system as it is. But I disagree. I think it takes a needle. I think it takes one little puncture of the tiny bubble in which this whole thing in Australia takes place and the hypocrisy and the fraud mm. and the mendacity of the, of the private school system will be exposed very, very quickly. All you have to do, it's very simple, all you have to do is set up something like a Royal Commission and audit the private school system and within three months all of those things will come out and the people of Australia go, well, I didn't know that. Even the people who send their kids to private schools will say, oh, my goodness, I'm being dudded as well. Well, the and, problem you know, be- is, of be- course... Because they've gone too far. Yes, because the, the Auditor thing General is, tried to do this, Robert. Uh, well, and look the ex-Auditor ex General, yeah. yes. Uh, this is the one thing, of course, that the elite do not want. They do not want to be oh, exposed. No. Oh, no, no, absolutely not exposed at all. But in terms of political in terms of political capital, the person who does that in Australia, not in a Latham way like back in 2004, although he, he, he gave it a good go, but he was oh. yes, you know, arguably playing class warfare. So did Giller. So, so indeed did Giller. In her own way. Well, that's a more complex story, but it just needs someone to put the needle 
in the tiny little delicate bubble of what we do here in Australia and using, using the weapons of transparency. Even those people who send their children to a private school for aspir- all, all the parents who send their children to, to private schools for aspirational rather than religious reasons will see that they're being dotted too. And the political value and the political capital of supporting and maintaining a gold standard state school system will be the new political verity. It will be the new truth. The, the, idea, the idea of making the state school system less than excellent as a politically suicidal move <laughs> is what's required. And I think... I mean, Gene's talking about revolutions. I think that would be a revolution, and I think the people of Australia would respond to that. Because the people of Australia, you know, having brought up over generations of the idea of fair, wouldn't mind seeing it being put into place. I think, too, that we have to look at the legislation in Victoria for public education and make uh, our public schools genuinely free. If you actually look at the legislation... Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea of autonomy in schools, uh, was this principal who charged parents for the right to enrol their child in a public school, was this illegal or not? And it's uh, for the principal particularly in some kind of grey area. Because under Victorian education legislation, instruction in the standard curriculum program must be provided free to all students in public schools. So what is free instruction? This is the world. This is not education. This is instruction. It includes learning and teaching, instructional supports, materials and resources, administration and facilities required to provide the standard curriculum program. Now, what is this standard curriculum program? It consists of the arts, English, health and physical education, languages other than English, and these are not being paid for at the moment, mathematics, science, studies of society, and environment and technology. doesn't include religious education, you might notice. Not at all. And... The materials and resources, does that include a computer? However, the legislation also allows for three categories of parent payments to schools. And the actual amount that is going into the uh, state education in Victoria amounts to several million dollars, between 300 and 400 million dollars, I believe. If you sit and think about it, that's why I said that parents in, in, in public schools are paying extra taxes. They are being forced to tax themselves for what should be free. Schools can request parents to pay for a number of essential education items to support instruction in the standard curriculum. And these include items which students take possession of, including textbooks and stationery. I don't know about you, about you um, listener, but when I went to school, we got free books. Oh, that's a long time ago, Jane. Sorry. <laughs> the books were uh, provided by the school. No, no, sorry. That, um, that, you went and collected them every year, your textbooks. Nope, not anymore. Not for Stationery, uh, no, I think that we paid for that. Materials for learning and teaching where the student consumes or takes possession of finished articles, for example, for child's learning to cook, home economics, ceramics, photography and catering. Just think of how this affects a child from a poor background. If they want to learn to basic cook, basic, basic things like cooking or catering. The school uniform has to be paid for by the parents. The travel costs incurred in the course of receiving the instruction from a teacher or another person. So if you have a, um, uh, an excursion somewhere, the child's got to pay for that. So what happens when a child can't afford it or a parent can't afford an excursion? Um, 
an essential person services associated with but not considered to be part of instruction in the standard curriculum program, such as costs associated with camps and excursions which all students are expected to attend. For example, transport and entrance costs. So in a lot of schools, there are children who are missing out. Or in some schools, there are parents who actually put in money raise money so that all the children can be treated equally in this way. Oh, Jean, and look, I can, I can tell you what happens. It's very, very simple. There are state schools that have um, reasonably wealthy and, and switched-on parents, and in those schools you have a lot of excursions, you have a lot of extracurricular activity, all of which the parents pay for because they can. And then you have state schools which, are in, uh, which have a less uh, financially um, supportive parental community because they don't have the money, and in those schools those things just don't happen. They just don't happen. It's not a question of the children not being able to pay the school functionally that the principal decides, I'm not going to offer these things to these children because it will just embarrass the the parents of my community and I don't want to put my parents in that situation. So do those children in those schools miss out? Yes, of course they do. And that's one of the great sadnesses. In fact, it's one of the great hypocrisies. Um, of, of what's going on in education today. Everyone says, oh, reading, writing and arithmetic are the things we need to do and state schools need to focus on that. But do you know what? All the ridiculously wealthy private schools, are they focusing on reading? No. They've got a second pool. They've got a horse riding option. They've got a campus in the bush. They've, they're spending their money on all the extracurricular stuff because they know and you know and I know, Jean, that the experience the child gets at school is far broader than sitting in a classroom and doing tests. Well, I don't know what happens here in Victoria, but I do know what happens in New South Wales. The New South Wales Teachers Federation years ago decided the children from the country should come to the city and understand what a beach was. So we, we set up um, this kind uh, a charity. Unfortunately, you then have to start thinking about Unfortunately, you do think about charity when you're dealing with children who are missing out. And then they set up a group called the Smith Family. And I know about this because I give money to this and I have a child. I have another child. It's not an adopted child. It's a little girl called Crystal. And little Crystal sends me um, notes sometimes about what she's doing. And money goes to Crystal's mother to make sure that Crystal doesn't miss out on anything, anything extra in her school. And the Smith family organised this. But this came out of the concern of ordinary teachers when they were in these schools with these kind of children. And the um, and I think it is wrong, it is just wrong that you have to uh, fall back on charity. There was another little boy, his name... Uh, and I've lost contact with him. I don't know what happened to Joshua. Uh, all of that stopped. I was quite happy to have two children, but I really don't know, and the Smith family haven't told me what happened to Joshua. But I do know, and I was very touched when Crystal sent me a piece of uh, jewellery that she had made herself. Um, so this is how people who are concerned about these children operate. But that's not good enough. Crystal, as the child of a citizen of this country, has the right to all of these things. She, she should it. not be dependent in any way upon mine or anybody else's charity. And I, I feel very strongly about it's it. It's a mark of a civilised society, actually, yeah. how you treat your children. It's, yeah. Are we civilised or are we not? That's yeah. a Meanwhile, big debate. schools can request payment for optional extras, and these include instructional support material, resources and administration in addition to the standard curriculum program. For example, and this is an answer, an answer to my question, student computer printing for personal use, extracurricular programs or activities offered in addition to the standard curriculum program, for example, instrumental music. And large numbers of state schools no longer have music teachers or anything really. Um, uh, you don't even have the uh, what we used to have in New South Wales, which was every week the children could at least listen on the ABC to a music program and learn to sing a song happily. And that used to be wonderful. It was organised by 
um, a little empire within the education department. Um, you also have to pay extra for school-based performances, productions and events, and you also have to pay for materials for subjects where the payment sought is the difference between the basic materials and services required for access to the standard curriculum program and the higher cost alternatives, which may be more desirable. For example, the use of more expensive materials. You also have to pay for materials and services offered in addition to the standard curriculum program. For example, school magazines. Um, so schools can also request voluntary financial contributions from parents. And how many schools, how many parents... Um, and I'm quite sure if you're listen, if you're you're a parent or even a teacher of a state school, how how much are you dependent upon that fair that is organised once a year uh, for people to come and give you money um, and all of the effort that goes into organising it? Uh, they it's not acceptable to use coercion or to har- harass parents for any payments, of course, but there's no need for that. The child just does without. So um, if you actually go to the Education Department uh, website, you can find out about this. uh, And um, you can also find out about it if you go to our website because there is a... um, uh, You can can go to the website from our press release 623. But that's enough for me for the moment. Uh, We'll have a little bit of music and then Robert's got some material for you. Welcome back to the Dogs Program, ladies and gentlemen, on 855 on the AM Dial and podcast as well. A lovely little gentle piece of music there, because the Lord created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. But on the fifth day, he created every living creature, if you believe in such things, and um, (laughs) Dietrich Buxtehude, as they're performed by a lovely fellow called David Kinsella, um, was playing on that theme. It was a magnificat nonitoni, which is to say that it's a magnificant on the ninth tone, my soul doth magnify the Lord. <laughs> which just goes to show that here at the Dogs Program, beauty is beauty and art is art, and we hope you all enjoyed that. Um, while listening to the defence of government schools here on 855 on the AM dial. Yes, it's a complex argument. Um, speaking about the Lord and creation and what's going on with the Lord and creation in public schools at the moment. Um, for those people following the debate in Victoria, Firis, Fairness in Religion in School, got a big win. And the nature of religious instruction in state schools, as opposed to on the radio here on 3CR, has been put back in its box. But in New South Wales, it's an ongoing fight. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this down here in Victoria, but in state schools in Victoria, if you go into a state school, you are likely to be confronted in a state school with the idea that if your mother has cancer and is dying, that is a gift from God. What? In a state school? Yep. If you go into a state school, that is an idea that will be put before you as a child. Um, By who? This idea in a state school will be put for you that you are, in fact, fundamentally evil and you are fundamentally sinful. And this will be a recurring theme in your life and there is no way out except uh, through the grace of Jesus Christ. Um, Now, how do we know this is going on? Because various religious instruction providers um, in New South Wales, specifically Gen R8, which Mm. are a Christian group who go into state schools, have got this in a textbook. 
This is what their textbook says. Now, the details of this textbook, and I'm just outlining a few of the perhaps more shocking things, because we are a radio program, it's good to be shocking, but <laughs> the, whole, the whole process of religious instruction in New South Wales has gone unseen and unsupervised for a very long time. And when you get people who have a very strong faith and they wish to proselytise that in a state school and you have no supervision and you have no oversight for year after year after year, you get very strange things going on. People have every right to have that faith, Robert. Of course, of it's course. It's a question no, of no, our no, state no, schools no. being open yes, to all yes. with offence oh, to none. If, right. I, if I walk into a religious service and someone says that to me as, as a genuine, as a genuine... And, and quite heartfelt expression of their faith in a religious organisation, it is my duty in this country to not only respect that, but to defend their right to say so, and to, in fact, to defend their right to do so. But as a 13-year-old child going into a state school and being confronted with the, these ideas, as a parent of that child... I am quite disturbed, or I would be quite disturbed if I was in that position. Mm. And many parents have decided that, hang on, we want to know what's going on. And a report has been written by a, a very large number of quite distinguished people, many of whom, I will tell you, Jean, are practising and committed Christians. And many practising and committed Christians in New South Wales are horrified by this idea being presented to children. I, I think the, ar the argument that really should be used that it is that if Christians can go into a school and put this view, which is what they believe, it's pretty, pretty fundamental, um, then others like um, Muslim fundamentalists can do exactly the same thing. Mm. That actually, uh, you know, they have as much right... Exactly. And um, as well as that, any other group, uh, Christian yeah. scientists, uh, Scientologists. Yeah, I think this yeah. is the basic problem. And uh, parents who have a differing belief system, yeah. uh, a Muslim shouldn't have, have their child exposed to a belief system that they don't believe in, etc., mm. etc. Et it can be offensive. And mm. state schools are just not a place for this. Well, Firas up in New South Wales have released a report which has gone through this textbook, this, this religious instructional textbook, and they've released a report detailing the nature of the curriculum promoted by the Generate Ministries and Youth Works, they're called, and these two organisations provide the majority of special religious instruction in New South Wales. Now, in response to this, and as I say, it, it's a question because if you let this go on unsupervised, um, unlooked at for years and years, you get very strange things. Both Generate and YouthWorks have axed this book. They've taken it out immediately. As soon as someone's looked at it, as soon as someone's examined it, all of a sudden it's been disappeared. It no longer exists. It's, that's, that's what we used to do in the past. You, you often hear this. Mm. That's what we used to do in the past. Well, the past was actually last week. <laughs> so the people involved are the same people. But anyway, axing the curriculum... Um, Axing this book from the curriculum was in direct response to what Firas wrote in their report. And Firas say it's like amputating a gangrenous appendage in hope of saving the body. Now, Firas says that the problem with this strategy is that the material being axed is not, in fact, an appendage. It clearly reflects the core teachings and ideology of both Generate and YouthWorks, which are functionally... Now, they're not, you know, they're, not, they're not strategically, but they are functionally set up to proselytise with the endorsement and imprimatur, and this is the bit where I, where I think it's important to highlight, Jean, with the imprimatur of the government itself, because they're in a government school, so what mm. you hear inside a government school, what you hear inside a state school, has, by definition, the force and imprimatur of the government. And this is exactly what they've been trying to do, and this is exactly what Firas are annoyed about. Now, the book itself is called You, An Introduction. So it's, you know, it, it's getting straight to the point. It's, it's, it's trying to mould the character of these young children. You, An Introduction, mm. is the core teaching of the Sydney evangelical faith and is written by the movement's most educated thinker, which is Dr Michael Jensen. Now, he's the son of the former Archbishop and leading Moore College scholar. Even Jensen himself says, a lot of things mentioned here are just orthodox Christian teachings. Yes, that's right. 
That's right. Like it's, it's, it's and all, either you believe in yeah, that as or, Orthodox Christians or you don't. Mm. But um, the, the question is, 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 it, is the state school a place for the uh, preaching of Indeed. this? They have churches for this. Yeah. They and have so, Sunday schools for this. Yeah. So rather than defending the curriculum because it is just Orthodox Christian teaching, defending the curriculum and its place in public schools, um, Generate and Youth Works, by the way, neither of those names seem to mention anything about God. Isn't it interesting? Um, there's probably marketing reasons for that. Generate and Youth Works strategy is to announce that it will no longer use it. So rather than taking, as Jean quite rightly says, some primary articles of Christian faith and standing by them, mm. they've decided to axe it for marketing reasons. Yeah, well, that, that I think is very sad. Yes, mm. I think you're right. Now, ironically... When the department took steps to suspend these same materials due to concerns from students' welfare, it resulted in a hysterical response from the evangelical community, even drawing comparisons between the New South Wales government and North Korea. Because they said, in response to when the government (laughs) tried to do this, these books are banned from the SO curriculum in New South Wales, and their question was, is New South Wales or is this North Korea, the idea of the government banning religion? See, all, all of a sudden we get this religious liberty oh, stuff popping up. Mm. <laughs> now that, of course, Ferris has released an irrefutable documentation as to the nature of this curriculum and published it on the internet so people can all read this now, the parachurch groups have seen that accusing the government of being North Korea is not going to work. So they have, according to Ferris, and I agree, tried to conduct a controlled burn. Now, I think you have to go back to the history of New South Wales here. There was an attempt in 1825 for the Anglican Church in New South Wales to be the state, the established church. Mm. Now, uh, and they always did believe that they had the right to have the only schools and to run those schools and to be paid to run those schools as an established church. <laughs> and I'm not sure that the Anglican Church of Sydney, which is different to anything else in Australia, has ever quite left that behind. They still, in fact, have properties in the Glebe mm. uh, from the old Church and Schools Corporation Act of 1825. Wow. The arrangement was that one-seventh of all of the lands of New South Wales would be given to the Church of England, which is now the Anglican Church, uh, and the income from that would be used to run the school system. Wow. So um, that's actually, I, I know it's a long time ago and it's just history now, but the Anglican Church of New South Wales is different. It's like, mm. yeah, there's mm. a kind of hangover of yeah. Um, yeah. megalomania. So, well, it's true, but just to get back to, this, back to this report, I mean, this report that was put out by Ferris has forced the evangelical people going into state schools to tell you know people that cancer is a gift and if you if your homosexuality it's a curse and yeah i find things like bless, words like blessings and curse are some of the laziest words mm. in the english language um, the, the i don't knows of the world i think are, mm. are, are what schools are all about but i, I won't go into that mm. but the authors of this report are, i mean the people who wrote this report weren't just a bunch of um, no-name people who thought that prostatizing in schools is bad. We're talking about George Harmon, who's the CEO of Beyond Blue, mm. who, who is involved in dealing with mental health and suicide issues in young people in Australia. And mm. if you go around telling people if you are of a different sexual orientation to what, yeah. to what evangelical Christians think you are, then you've got a serious problem and you therefore have to pray away the gay... Um, now I'm putting words into the um, words into the mouths of the prostatizing people in schools there, but this is something that happens a great deal. Mm. Then the CEO of Beyond Blue is going to be on your case. Yeah. And also Dr. Michael Carr Gregg, who's the managing director of Youth and Well Cooperative Research Centre, and he's in fact a child and adolescent psychologist who believes that people coming into state schools and doing this, not people who are sending their children to Sunday school, no. people coming into state schools and prostatizing cold are not doing the best thing for the education of the children in New South Wales. So we'll keep watching that space. Um, well, I'm not so sure um, that 
uh, the, the whole sexual thing should be part of the state education business either. Um, I think that we are expecting uh, too much of the curriculum of state schools. When something seems to come up in our society that is a problem, we expect our public schools to make it good. Public schools are there for children to go to school. It is the only institution that we have where they can engage in learning. Uh, in learning the skills so that they can survive in a democracy and yeah. become it's still a citizens of a democracy. Yeah, because we're still a democracy and not yet yeah. quite a market place. I'm not sure that our children uh, should be part of the conflicts of the major society with yes, people indeed. battling all these ideas out in, in that, in that uh, arena. Mm. In that space. Mm. Um, you listen to The Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast. If you're interested in what we're talking about, and indeed Jean's wonderful press releases, you can access all of that information at our website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Um, after these messages... Um, We'll be returning to the Dogs Program to look at an overview, an overview, because we often talk about market forces and religious thises and thats, but Julie Zergo, who wrote a very interesting article some time ago now, who we've referred to in part, um, it'd be worth hearing her, hearing her words, because she has a very interesting idea discussing how private schools and their bankrupt propaganda mm-hmm. are working inside the tiny little bubble of Australian educational policy. This is Audrey, director of Found, the infamous festival of ultra power babes. On the 21st of November 2015, Found will showcase over 100 female artists, musicians and performers for a one-day live art experience. Pre-sale tickets on Eventbrite. For more information, visit www.foundinitiative.com. Found is a 3CR supporter. Teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions, and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm the proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world, and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Dale, um, very interesting article. Can you just fill us in on what Julie says about the broader picture of education, policy, public, private, fraud, corruption, <laughs> and the incredible good work that's been done in state schools? <laughs> yeah, I certainly can. Um, I've got an article from Julie Zago in The Age on Thursdays, May 7. This year, it's uh, private schools and their bankrupt propaganda. Wonderful headline. Rather than take the pressure off the public system, private schools do the exact opposite. Recently, I attended an open night at my daughter's future high school. The public school had once been in a downward spiral of miserable results, poor discipline and falling enrolments before a new principal started turning things around. Staff boasted about last year's school ducks, whose ATAR score got her into biomedicine. We're improving all the time, a teacher beamed as we milled about the home economics lab. Despite the late hour, dozens of students had come to service freshly baked muffins and spruiked their close-knit, proudly multicultural community. An older boy with a mop of hair over one eye said, best school ever. Driving home, I thought about the boys' jubilant endorsement and the sense of optimism and striving I'd absorbed along with the muffins. Then, almost on cue, I passed billboards advertising private schools. Images of children, immaculate in their uniforms, communing with musical instruments or poised above Bunsen burner with slogans trumpeting their inquiring minds, leadership or entrepreneurialism. 
The unmistakable message is that parents wanting to give their children every opportunity naturally covet such schools. One glance at these billboards and, like a chemical reaction, doubt seeped in. The same message informs me the last-minute booking website School Places, which offers hefty discounts for Australia's leading private schools under the promise sending your child to a private school just got easier. And the same message underpins private school scholarships. The idea that only the very gifted can attend such schools for free has the paradoxical logic of both validating the high fees and creating an illusion of meritocracy or superior moral worth. Still, if I had a dollar for every parent I know sweating out, sweating on the outcome of their child's scholarship exam, I'd be as rich as the elite schools themselves. Interestingly, the private school lobby likes to say that parents choose these schools for their values. I'm not sure what values are at work in this in the scholarship system. The private schools would say they're bequeathing opportunities to less advantaged kids. But these schools cherry-pick kids whose achievements will advantage the institution by attracting yet more fee-paying students. The only value exemplified is the value of commerce, with students analogous to high-yield investments. These schools are in the business of sowing doubt, gutting state high schools of aspirational families and shredding egalitarianism. That's not surprising. Most businesses are driven by self-interest. But where Australia takes the cake for stupidity is paying these businesses for the privilege of undermining education, educational equity and, by extension, our nation's economic growth. We've heard time and again private schools claim an entitlement to public funds on the basis that they're taking pressure off the public system. In truth, they're doing precisely the opposite, luring high-performing students from the public system, whether by scholarship or other inducements or guilt-laced promotion, weakens the cultural mix at government schools, lowering expectations of the remaining students and transforming these schools into options of last resort. And these residual schools are punishing on the public purse, requiring more equity funding to compensate for the concentration of kids from low socioeconomic backgrounds and more money for remedial and other interventions. In March, a report by the Need to Succeed group, comprising welfare organisations and public school educators, mined data on the My School website to find a steady drift from disadvantaged schools to advantaged schools in the five years to 2013. With this drift, with this drift the gap in academic performance between the poorer and richer schools widened. As a revelation, that's hardly startling. What's rarely discussed is how uniquely self-sabotaging Australian education policy has become. Obnoxious is the term University of Melbourne professor Richard Teese, an expert in school systems, uses. There is no other system like it, he told me. Teese contrasts Australia's system of educational funding to those countries such as France, Spain and Belgium, where, he says, Catholic schools get public funds, but with strings attached. These schools cannot charge fees and they must be open to everyone, no cherry-picking allowed. If Australia's private schools were really taking the pressure off the public system, they would target kids from the bottom of the ladder. I don't mean kids from poor families whose parents place a premium on education. Instead, private schools would be taking kids born with fetal alcohol syndrome, with drug-addicted drug parents with disabilities and learning difficulties. The, two, the kids in the child protective system, the kids who start school barely having opened a book, the odds stacked firmly against them. But the bankrupt propaganda of the, pub, of the private school lobby does them no harm. Even as Australia's education, education's ranking slides internationally, even our, as our Asian trading partners with their generously resourced public education systems overtake us, even as the clever country grows grows dimmer by the day, our politicians feed the hand that bites them. The most Ill illustrative uh, case study, the State Education Minister James Molino's decision to lock in funding for private schools, irrespective of financial need and in contravention to the Gonski reforms. It's the sort of policy that makes you question modern Labor's raison d'etre. 
The minister's spokesman recent, recently told the Sunday Age that since Labor was, in, was last in government, its commitment to Catholic and independent schools has evolved. The word evolved suggests the spokesman sees Labor's promise to private schools as progress. We have it all backwards. Whatever the children in private schools stand to gain, in the long term, this system of social apartheid shortchanges us all. And that's what Julie has to say on the matter. Yes, thank you very much, Dale. You're listening to The Dogs Program on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. It's been good to have your company here, and we're coming to the end of our program, but I think it's just worth going over what she says there. Hmm. Now, there is this idea, and it's a fascinating... I'm not going to talk about religion. I'm going to talk about sort of financial management. If you put all the people who require extra funding for for all sorts of what they would call disability funding or low SES funding or funding to pick things up, you put them all in the one place, that's a lot of money. How about you save money by having all children go to one school system so that the school is not a rich kid's school or a poor kid's school, it's just a school from where you come from. Mm. You know, some, some, some places in Australia are richer than other places, but, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't sort of change any of that, I suppose, because where you live is where you live. But all of a sudden, you'll have a broad range of children, mixed abilities and indeed disabilities, and all of a sudden you won't need to be spending all this money mm. to drag up an entire school because all the kids are mixed in and they'll look after each other. And my experience of the state school system is very much that, very much that, that the children and the parents who are part of a school, of a school community will look after each other. You don't have to spend extra money on looking after kids if all the kids are together. Mm. doesn't matter what colour, what creed, doesn't matter what anything they are. All they have to do is live in the area and go to the school. Now, this is not a radical idea. I'm not talking about something weird here. I'm talking <laughs> about what happens in pretty much the rest of the civilised world. <laughs> and I keep coming back to it. Australia's in this strange, weird bubble where what I've just said is incredibly radical. Oh, no, you can't do that. What about my choice? What about the marketplace? What about competition? You know, what about the inefficiencies of the public service or something I like that? I aspire. Oh. I think we have to also remember that the public system is still there. More than two-thirds of our children are attending it and have attended it. Yep. And when I... I hear people in Australia say that they welcome refugees, that they are concerned that we have concentration camps on Nauru and Manus, and that they believe that our tax system should not be just for the wealthy, but that the tax system should be fair and it should be um, also given and used for welfare services, then I know that our public system has been successful. Yes, indeed. And I am proud to be an Australian. And I'll tell you something else about the public system. The public system in Australia absolutely is superior to the private system yes. in Australia. Absolutely superior. And I'll tell you for one very simple reason, and I can use numbers to actually answer this question for all those economists listening. The public system gives a greater value add for every child in their school than any private school either could or would wish to. And privatisation just doesn't work. Nope. It, it leads to corruption and I think what has happened to the TAFE system is uh, evidence of this. But we'll deal with that next week. For the moment, you've been listening to The Dogs Programme for this week and we'll be back with you next week. But bye for now. And bye for now indeed, Jean. If you're interested in what we've been talking about, you can contact us at our website, which is www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. In Salt Lake City, just as I am standing by my bed, they framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I did, says Joe, but I The copper bosses killed you, Joe, they shot you, Joe, says I. 
takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe, I didn't die, says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill. On to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your hill. It's there you find. Says he. <laughs>